Well, hello there, Angie. It's me, your old pal, Negaduck. Oh, yeah. DW's not around now, honey. Yeah, just me and you. Actually, actually, it's just me and Christina. And I hope you don't have a problem with that, see? Otherwise, it could get... Mm, don't make me say it. All right, go ahead and make me say it. But it'll be in person, see? Nega duck out. Welcome to Sleepless in St. Canard, where nostalgia replaces REM cycles. I'm Kitty. And I'm Ange. And we haven't slept. In 30 years. This is a podcast about the 90s classic cartoon Darkwing Duck, and in watching this episode, you may find yourself living in a rundown house, and you may find yourself in another part of the multiverse, and you may find yourself having to deal with a friendly four, and you may find yourself with a messed up house with a cutesy daughter, and you may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? And the answer is through cake. Because that's right, dear listeners, today we discuss life, the negaverse, and everything. Hooray! It's a good one. I appreciate the uh, what? What is what is the book that they base the title of this episode off of? You know the one where the answer is forty-two to everything. Life, the universe, and everything. It's um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, that is the one. Yes, we're punning from the very beginning, and it's wonderful. Uh, this is probably, I think, the first episode that we have been able to cover that is one I genuinely really enjoy a lot. Yes, this one is is pretty fantastic. I definitely, it's I've I've seen it way too many times, and it still makes me laugh every single time. I dare say this is probably a fan favorite episode. I know probably not every fan likes this episode, but I feel like on the whole, if you were to ask the average fan what their favorite list of episodes was, I think this one would rank up there. And this episode is the genesis of so many fan characters in their just regard to their Megaverse comparison, like their Megaverse mirror character. There's always, this is my OC, and this is my Megaverse OC. And it's <laughs> so always true. so fun to see. It's always so fun to see. It's, oh, well, there's this character, but what's the evil one like? Or, you know, <laughs> it's not always the evil one, because if, you know, like me in particular, I have an evil character... And then in the Megaverse, she's super nice. So it's like, that's Tanya Spellbinder, everybody. She's mean. But it's a fun world to play in, and it's fun to see. And we don't get to see too much of the Megaverse, but I feel like we get to see enough of it. And we get, it's very interesting because it's like a weird slice of life of the Megaverse. And we'll get into it more as we go into the episode, the full breakdown. But, and would you like to give... Uh, a little rundown of life Negaverse or anything. Do we have any housekeeping? Do we have any... Uh, let's see. We did get some fan mail, but I was thinking we could dedicate an episode to that at some point in time in the future. Okay, okay, sure. We we did get some very nice fan mail. And I feel like I screwed up something. Oh, I think it was Craven the Hunter not being in the Sinister Six. And, you know, Craven the Hunter is a founding member of the Sinister Six. So my apologies <laughs> to Mr. The Hunter. I jumped on any media platform I have access to to clarify that I was thinking of something else, which was the Sinister Syndicate. And I would like to go on the record as saying 
Marvel, that's unfair for you to have so many alliterative names. I guess also poll-wise, our Splatter Phoenix poll, whether or not she'd make a good leader. On the Facebook group, I think it was pretty unanimous that everybody voted yes, as long as she got to kick Negaduck out and humiliate him in the process. That's a very good caveat. Let me check the Twitter. I also messed that up, too, because I think I let it run for a day. Mm -hmm. So there is no dawdling. You must tell me immediately. Uh, You know, on Twitter, the prominent one was no. They would not appreciate Splatter Phoenix as the leader of the Fearsome Five. Interesting. Yes, yes. And we only got one vote for Kiki Erpel friend. (laughs) That might have been (laughs) me. that was you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Kiki Erpel. Okay, good times indeed. Did you pre-order your Negaduck? I had a friend do it for me because I was leaving the city on the day that the pre-orders dropped and I did not have phone reception because I'm cheap and my provider for my cell phone only works in major cities. As soon as you travel out of the city anywhere rural, it just drops completely. So the exact time that it was supposed to drop, I was not in the city. So my dear friend... Pharaoh Inc., beautiful person, friend of the podcast, (laughs) an all-around wonderful person, offered to purchase it for me and then have it sent to me. I just gave her the money for it. So it has been pre-ordered, and it says, I think it said October or September they're expecting them to ship, so. Check your mail carefully, and thank you, uh, Pharaoh Inc. I'm excited. Very exciting. You should do an unboxing on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'll just take a picture of a box and put it on the Twitter. Maybe we um, will. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. So, yes. You want to give us a rundown of this episode, Ange? Sure. I just realized I wrote a giant note at the beginning of this, and it says, open this episode with Jim Cummings recording. And I think what that meant was the recording you got for me at New York Comic Con. I was going <laughs> to put that at the very opening, just opening uh-huh. with, like, Negaduck talking to us. Yeah. So thank you, Negaduck, for that wonderful message in that you kidnapped my dear friend. (laughs) He was very concerned, too. He handed my, he didn't even hand my phone back. He just looked at me and he said, that was pretty dark. Is that going to be okay? I was like, that's fine. It's perfect. It's great. (laughs) She'll love it. (laughs) He was so, so worried. He was very concerned. He's just like, I don't know where I went for that moment. It's like the spirit of Negaduck (laughs) took me over and... (laughs) And this episode is a good one for the spirit of Negaduck because it is, is. I guess you could argue, even though Tadstones himself and anyone else would argue that it's not necessarily his origin story, but I think most people would agree that Negaduck is from the Negaverse, that his place of origin, he is recognized as another dimensional Darkwing Duck essentially. And this episode is the only time they ever discuss this. And then we never hear from any of these characters again that they introduce within the episode. And yet, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of them are fan favorites. And I would say that a good chunk of like Darkwing Duck fan fiction and fan art and fan creations in general often revolve around the Negaverse in some shape or form, and the characters that appear in the the Friendly Four and Nega Goslin and such. This episode, how would I describe it? I'll just say, in short, it it just has a lot of wacky hijinks. 
It doesn't make much <laughs> sense. There's really no explanation for some of the stuff that happens in this episode. You just got to roll with it. And when we get to it, I am going to get on my soapbox and tell you why the Negaverse is not an opposite dimension. Even though it is mentioned as such within the episode, I disagree 100%. It is not an opposite world. It is not a mirror universe. But we'll get there. Oh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. And has a soapbox at the ready. Cool. All right. So to start us off here, we'll start with the Disney Plus info for the folks who would like to pause and watch before we discuss. So it is season one, episode 35, and it actually has a pretty cool thumbnail. One that I've noticed forlornly as I had to scroll past to watch all of the other ones we've watched so far. It's uh, the shot of Negaduck as he's staring down into the vortex in the cake. So it's got that cool dramatic lighting on him. And the uh, blurb, the, the summary of this episode from Disney Plus is Darkwing Duck is pulled into an alternate universe by an archaeologist. No, I just made up that last word. <laughs> I look forward to the descriptions now. Every time we do an episode, that is what I want to hear. Is their amazing so, summary. Yes, they're one line or less. <laughs> So that's that. And it starts with a zoom-in shot of St. Canard that pans into the warehouse hideout of the Fearsome Five, which I did some notes here. It's a sizable building, but it's also like a weird olive green, but it's subtle. So obviously Megavolt had nothing to do with picking out this location. It's not like, you know, a bottle of water plus electricity plus a toy plus a plant plus a skull and an arrow pointing down, which seems more in, uh, you know, Megavolt's wheelhouse. It's true. It's true. But it, it seems like it's a functioning warehouse because there's trucks parked all around outside it. And uh, I was like, okay, so, but so nobody's there now. So I feel like maybe, like, they bribe the people to go away or, like, tie them up and put them in the back room. Who can say? But we go in and the, the five are, are splitting up their haul from their heist that we don't really know what they did but it seemed to be a pretty damn good one because there's just like loose gold coins labeled money bags which is always a classic there's a bounty of pearl necklaces there's a little treasure chest and a little teapot that negaduck actually steals for himself they're rolling in it they <laughs> and also to be this hints that dark queen duck doesn't always save the day and the villains aren't always stopped because apparently they have successful heists where they actually do manage to like steal everything and the kitchen sink they do. And, you know, jumping ahead a bit, when we see Drake, he's asleep on the couch. So basically, they stole every... It was a daylight robbery. They did this thing, and Darkwing's just been sleeping through the whole thing. But part of this haul that I was like, wait a second, and I went back and I paused it, there's a sack at Bushroot's feet that Zummy Gummy from Gummy Bears, his head is sticking out. And I'm like, is that a toy? Is that really him? But that's not the last we'll see of Zummy Gummy this episode. So... Let that stew for a second. <laughs> That's very ominous. It is, isn't it? It's really, it's not very ominous. But it's it's great because it's, you get to see the dynamic of the five and like Negaduck just hauls all his stuff in. He grabs that little teapot, shoves it into his, you know, loot bag and he's on his way out and Quackerjack, because he's leaving, is trying to be like, why don't you ever hang out with us? And Negaduck, living the dream of introverts everywhere, just bludgeons the person who asks him while he never hangs out. And <laughs> yes, I just, I, I wrote down so much Negaduck dialogue because he just says the best thing. He is just, 
he's like top tier. I love everything that he says. And he's just like, Well, see ya. Come on, Nega Duck. You never hang out with us after a caper. Gee, Quacker Jack, why do you think that is? Could it be because I hate you guys? Because you're just a bunch of losers? Because I've got other places to go! Oh, that couldn't possibly be it. Malignator guesses, it must be something else. It's because you've got a secret hideout. There you go, Megavolt. That's using the old dry cells. Oh. We don't have a secret hideout. Why can't we go to your secret hideout? Bushroot, if I let you go to my secret hideout, it wouldn't be a secret hideout anymore. The whole reason I have a secret hideout is to get away from the Geek Squad. See you next time. <sighs> they just did your evil bidding, Negaduck, and immediately he's like, how dare you talk to me? I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. Get out of my way. Do not interact. Seriously. But in, in regard to the, the hall, it seemed like they got a lion's share of it because there was a lot of loot on that table and Negaduck just took a little bit, which is different from Just as Justice Ducks, where he keeps all the loot. But he does give them the city. So I guess maybe he is kind of fair in that regard. I also um, imagine it's because he's very tiny and he probably can't carry that much. Did you notice that Quackerjack looks humongous next to him? Yeah, he is very tiny. He's very tiny, but very angry. And this is actually our first podcast episode that involves Quackerjack and Liquidator and Binky. But we haven't gotten to her yet. Quackerjack. I like Quackerjack. I think he's a, he's one of the fun ones, I you know, unironically. But... <laughs> You hear that? Yeah, I have a special guest today. My cat is here, so if you hear any meowing, it's her. But Liquidator, oh, I love the Liquidator. I love him so much. Whoever thought of him, bless you. He's just so fun. The slogans and, and just the way that he talks, like his voice is fantastic. I love the Liquidator so much. So it was fun to see them all. And I think... You know, he's great in his own, and they're all great on their own in their standalone episodes. But as the Fearsome Five, there's just a different element there. Because it seems like Negaduck is the put-upon kindergarten teacher. <laughs> but the kindergarten teacher who drinks scotch for breakfast and smokes, like, 15 cigarettes, chain-smokes them at recess. And is probably, like, three divorces in and doesn't care anymore. So it's just it's a great dynamic as far as they go. But, yeah, so he basically, in this opening sequence here, I'm pretty sure he beats up all of them. <laughs> he definitely bludgeons Quackerjack. He ties Bushroot into a knot, which is fantastic. He, it was pretty impressive. He effortlessly, as he's talking, I'm pretty sure, just doot-doot-doot-doot, leave me alone. And then uh, Bankavolt, he's just like, oh, you're trying to leave because you've got a secret hideout. So does this imply that they just assumed he was a vagrant? I guess. To be fair, I can't really blame them. Me either. That was my next note. I was like, I can kind of see that. I could just naked duck wandering around with his pile of loot, just going wherever the wind takes him, hopping on a train, living the, the vagrant life. <laughs> and then Bushroot says, we don't have a secret hideout. And excuse me, all of the evidence begs to differ. We know that he's got his, what's it called, greenhouse, 
Megavolt has his light switch apartment, and then later on he has the lighthouse. Unless those are just their houses and they just work from home, they're evil. You're not fooling anybody, Bushroot. You're certainly not fooling me, okay? Bushroot, Mr. Body Count. But then for his efforts in trying to say that they don't have a secret hideout, that's when he gets tied up in knots. He, the you know, Duck is very sympathetic in this and just, you know, wanders out, traipses out and says, the iconic, see you next crime. <laughs> and then we get introduced to the first time that he's been on the podcast too, Mr. Banana Brain. And Mr. Banana Brain is really creepy. Do not like Mr. Banana Brain. He has way too many teeth. You know who he way always too- reminded me of, even as a kid? Who? Sideshow Bob. I could see that. I don't know why, but I always looked at Mr. Banana Brain and I thought of Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. I don't know if it's his nose or his teeth or the little weird upper lip, like The Simpsons, you know, classic character yeah, design. Yeah, I think it's the hair, or rather the, the face and the hair, because I feel like Sideshow Bob has that weird... He's got that bushy hair, hair that, that would translate into the shape of Mr. Banana Brain's peels. peels. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, Overall, very unappealing. So there we go. Mr. Banana Brain is actually just a captured soul of Sideshow Bob in banana form. And as Negs is walking away, the Fearsome Five decide, or I guess at this point, the Fearsome Four decide to stalk him and figure out where he's going. But they just abandon all their loot. They just they just leave it there. So whether or not someone actually will go to that warehouse and be like, what? My favorite part of that scene is that they all just give each other this knowing look. And it, it kind of cements the idea that they are kind of friends. I don't really know how to mm-hmm. describe it. Like, there's definitely, they're the four people that hang out together. Negaduck wants nothing to do with them. But they're, like, up to their own hijinks. And then they just kind of look at each other like, yeah, let's let's get up on this thing. And then they stalk let's him. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They stalk him. They stalk him pretty hard. And that's when we transition over to the Mallard residence where Drake is asleep on the couch. And there is a bowl of fruit laid out on the coffee table, which is surely a tribute to the legend that lives next door. Goslin very calmly awakens Darkwing by grabbing a megaphone and screaming into it that it was Honker's birthday and that he needs to wake up. And then Drake says, one of the funniest, I don't know. I don't know if it's the funniest, but it definitely stuck with me. I was like, oh my god, this is right. This is when he says it. He's like, Attention, Drake Mallard! It is time for Honker's birthday party! I'm not going. I hate the Malifoots, and I hate their parties! He's just screaming at his daughter through a megaphone, because clearly he's no better than she is. But, you know, for all the solids that Honker does for Darkwing, it's pretty cruel that he's not even considering going to his birthday party. Jeez, Drake. Yes, Drake. But poor little Honker. Go to Honker's birthday party. He deserves it. Yeah, so that's basically that scene, you know, he's like, well, can't you go with the launch pad? And she's like, launch pad's getting the cake. And that's when we over to the Sugar Spice and Everything Nice Bakery. Can we talk about this cake? This disgusting cake? <sighs> we can, because Launchpad is the true monster of this episode. So why don't you paint us a picture of this cake? It is a nautical-themed cake, which I guess makes sense because this is a Pelican's Island-themed birthday party. Clearly not Honker's idea. Mm-mm. And the cake has, like, little 
life, like the lifesaver. What do you call them? They're are they called lifesavers? Life, uh, life preservers, I think. Life preservers. Life savers are the candy that are in the circle that look like that. So maybe they are life. Pre- I don't know, but they're the the flotation devices. The flotation like devices. A, very, a thin donut. <laughs> and then an anchor, and they're like on this tiered blue and white cake, and it's a peanut honey and sauerkraut cake. It's peanut butter honey and sauerkraut cake, and Launchpad seems super excited about it. So then this is when I started thinking this bakery. Do they only make disgusting flavored things? Because who would make that if that wasn't their bread and peanut butter and sauerkraut and honey? And then I started thinking, does the negative, like the Negaverse bakery make delicious cakes, but they look terrible? So somebody make that fan character. Make the manager of the sugar spice and everything nice bakery on in both verses. Get back to me. All right. I'm, I'm interested to see your take. So it's a terrible cake. Let's just stop and think about that cake for a minute. So it's peanut butter. Peanut butter and honey, I could understand. Honey. Yes, that's good. Then sauerkraut. Then again, I once ate a cake made out of potatoes, and it was really good. Yeah, and sauerkraut would make it really moist. And I feel like if you bake it, it's probably going to lose a lot of its taste. So I don't know. Maybe Launchpad is onto something here. But also, it is a giant cake. Like I feel like this cake is as tall as he is. And as we go to this party, it's literally just the Metalfoots and the Mallard household. And it's way too much. Like, you don't need a multi-tiered cake for a party that small unless there's somebody jumping out of it. And this cake, in particular, nobody jumps out of. Launchpad has a pretty big appetite, though. Maybe he was thinking for himself. That could be. That could be. But, uh, yeah, so Launchpad is in the bakery. And then we cut outside... To Negaduck, <laughs> like middle of the day, sun is shining as he's walking down the street, just sauntering down the street with his loot bag over his shoulder. But he's looking around like he's being sneaky <laughs> as he's just literally Negaduck walking down the <laughs> walking down the street. It's so funny. I don't know. It just struck me really funny because it's just like you're not sneaking. You're just looking around, and we know you're being followed, and you don't see them. So he goes in to the bakery, and Launchpad has the cake, so he can't see Negaduck. But then, also, does anybody work at this bakery? Not that we could see. No one's there. And Negaduck is so comfortable in this bakery that he just walks right into the back room. So, does Negaduck run this bakery? I want to think so. I want to believe in my heart that he owns the bakery... I don't know if he actually cooks the things in the bakery or if he kidnaps someone to do it for him, but that's that's what I'm going with. I would think that there has to be somebody there that bakes because Strick does get a cake later on, but I could totally see Negaduck taking an order for a peanut butter and honey cake and being like, well, but what about sauerkraut? <laughs> and just ruin the whole thing and Launchpad being the only person in the world to say yes. But so the Fearsome Four come into the bakery because they've been tailing Negaduck and... Uh, as they're walking past Launchpad, they all are like, oh, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. <laughs> they're so polite, like, they don't want them to drop the cake. They're just like, oh, excuse me, pardon me, we're coming by. And this unholy cake doesn't get dropped. But it's just so, 
I don't know. It just struck me really sweet that they were just really polite to him. In their off time, apparently, they're very polite. <laughs> <laughs> they are. When they, they've got other bigger fish to fry, they're they're very polite to the, the random people in the bakery. So that's how Launchpad realizes that there's something afoot. Had the sugar spice and everything nice bakery. And then we transition over to Honker's birthday party. Or Honker, he just looks so cute. He's so pleased. He's got his little birthday hat on, and he's reading a book to Goslin about super boring stuff. And he just he's just smiling. Oh, he just wanted to pinch his little cheeks. He's so cute. I love the model foot so much. And then we get to see Herb, the master of ceremonies, the prince of parties, and the lay lassoer extraordinaire. Or Muddlefoot in his Pelicans Islands themed costume. He's this the skipper or whatever, you know, Pelicans Island equivalent. But it's a theme party where like Hunker's not dressed up. Goslin's not forced into a costume. But of course, Herb and Binky are flanking Drake as they come in. Binky also looks really cute. She's dressed up in her little costume and they have a costume change on hand for him immediately and binky slams a sh new shirt on him and herb pulls a hat out of somewhere and slams it on his head i don't, I don't know what to do about that bucket hat came from some kind of stash of holding on herb muddlefoot's person it's a nicer hat than the one little drakey mallard wore <laughs> it is it is this one is a true 90s bucket hat not a bad look for Drake. He looks okay, even though he hates it. And he does say his catchphrase of the episode, I hate the Muddlefoots quite a lot. I have a question um, for you, Kitty. Yes. Would you try a coconut burger? Well, I was, I have that down here because coconut burgers are a burger with half a coconut that still has the hair on it, <laughs> which is like super hard. Like, I don't even know how you would do that. Like, you would absolutely shatter your jaw. If the coconut was sliced in an edible fashion, I'd probably dry it. Sure. Would I wasn't you? sure if he was marinating it, like some kind of seasoning where you put the coconut on top of the burger. And then because it's on the barbecue, maybe like the flavor seeps into the burger. Mm, but maybe. this is also Herb Muddlefoot. So there is entirely a possibility that they would just be eating entire coconuts and the burger would just be sandwiched yeah. in between them. I would try a coconut infused burger. Yeah, I would too. Let's let's give it a shot. Let's see if a recipe exists. There probably is one somewhere. Maybe in lieu of breadcrumbs in the burger, you use coconut flakes. I don't know. The internet's a weird place. We could find anything and get food poisoning. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Let's do it. Go team. <laughs> so yeah. So then, in the midst of all this revelry, Launchpad shows up, and Herb, as a little angel, says, "Why a cake has washed ashore." Come on, little buddies! Let's eat! Oh, I love him. And then Tank shows up, of course, because Tank, Muddlefoot, we have to remember that he's a thing, especially for this episode. And uh, Drake is already knows that the Fearsome Four are at the bakery. So he's like, how am I going to get out of here? So his answer to that is to trip Tank and make him faceplant into the cake. Oh no, I have to get a new cake! But also... Drake secretly saves the day because now nobody has to eat that cake. Except for Tank, who just got a face Tank, full. He ate it. He <laughs> did. And then we zip back over to the Sugar Spice and Everything Nice Bakery, where Negaduck has been staring into the cake vortex for as long as it's taken Launchpad to get the cake to the Muddlefoots. I was collapse. just going to say, I was just going to bring this up. 
Launchpad <laughs> got there incredibly fast, even by cartoon mm. standards. But to his credit, he is like completely out of breath. Yeah, so in the time that it takes Launchpad to get to the Muddlefoots, and then for Drake to change into his Darkwing costume and get to the bakery, he's just been staring into this cake this whole time. And also, the Fearsome Four have just been standing in the doorway staring at him. <laughs> I was thinking that this too. Whole time. <laughs> because, uh, yeah. And then, because we cut over to them and they don't exist unless we're watching a Megavolt just screams, There he is! <laughs> <laughs> like, uh-huh. The timing yeah. has been very interesting on that when you actually add it all up. Like, I do want to imagine that they were, they were just standing there staring for a good, like, however much time it took Darkwing to get over there. They were just buffering the whole time. And then Negadex snaps back. What are you doing here? They had no plan. They had no plan at all once they found him. But luckily, that's when we get our first I am the terror that flaps in the night speech. And this is the I am the cholesterol that clogs your arteries. Because, you know, when in Rome, and Negaduck is uh, suitably pissed off. Oh, you let Darkwing Duck right to my secret hideout, you knobs! We're not knobs! And we'll prove it! Come on, guys. Let's fry some duck. Uh-oh. And then they really quickly dispose of Darkwing. He goes down super fast. But what's interesting is that they didn't know the cake is a (laughs) portal, so they just threw him into a cake. Into the cake. So from they're like, aren't you proud of us? (laughs) So from their perspective, they're just throwing him into a giant cake. It's kind of weird. (laughs) It really is. That was my note. I was like, and then they just promptly throw him into the cake. (laughs) <laughs> it's like that cake that Negaduck has a clear interest in. They're just like, that's the one! And of course, Darkwing gets sucked into the vortex, into the, the Negaverse. Negaduck does a 10-foot vertical leap into the cake. Can we talk about <laughs> that feat- for a second? Please, it's a feat of athleticism that would make an Olympian weep with envy. He jumps in like a dolphin. <laughs> That was my immediate thought. Like, he literally does the full-on, like, a dolphin jumping through a hoop. He does, like, the entire pose. I, I have to wonder if the animators actually referenced a dolphin or something, because it it's so animal-like. And he was on little step stool to get up to the top. There was little stairs, because the cake mm-hmm. is taller than him. But apparently mm-hmm. he doesn't actually need that, because he jumps from the ground directly into the cake. <laughs> he does just straight from the ground just a straight up vertical le- leap and it's not the last impressive jump we have this episode so stay tuned he's like hyperventilating with rage mm, yeah it's, uh, that's his secret hideout you knobs and they, so they did not prove their point that they were not knobs and then after this this is the last we see of the fearsome four so after Negaduck vertical leaps into this cake, they're just like, well, I guess we should probably go. He seemed really mad. <laughs> probably a smart idea on their part. Prob- probably is. They, they know better than to stick around. So then we have our sudden transition into the Negaverse. The Negaverse sweet shop has seen better days. Everything looks kind of melty. But again, I can't help but wondering if it tastes really good. Like if that's, if that's how we're doing it. 
But no, no, it's probably awful because it definitely looks like everything is rotting and like falling apart. And Darkwing just shoots straight out of the cake through the roof and smacks into the pavement outside. And as funny as that is, you know, he gets up and he just wanders around like, well, everything looks really different. And he wanders away and then immediately Negaduck shoots out of the cake and smack dab right immediately where Darkwing was. That was pretty funny. I enjoyed that. My beautiful St. Canard, smell those noxious fumes. Now, where did that blasted Darkwing Duck go? And you can see Darkwing walking away as Negadog's like, where'd he go? And of course he goes in the wrong direction because cartoons. He does a little duck waddle. <laughs> and then Darkwing heads home. The Nega Mallard residence is a mess, but I had to go back. I watched the little panning scene that we get of the house where it's just see how trashed it is and i was like wait a second coffee table is overturned let me just rewind and there is a bowl of fruit but it's on top of the tv hmm. and it's eaten fruit and half rotted but it seems like they uphold the same tribute to the legend next door mimicking his shirt his you know i get i don't know if he wears a hawaiian shirt in the negaverse but her bottle flood is represented in both Mallard residences. Also, Darkwing comes in through the swiveling chairs from Darkwing Tower. So the fact that he doesn't say, uh, everything looks really weird here too when he's in Darkwing Tower, which we do see later, is kind of weird. But, he, but there's also no Basil of Baker Street statue sitting between the two armchairs. So I'm like, how do you trigger it? I have lots of questions about the Negaverse. But I do like that Darkwing is so quick to just be like, Goslin blew out the power, Goslin did this, like, what's, you know, where are you, young lady? You messed everything up. But in his little tirade about that, he's like, again. So it's something that his Goslin has already done, which I think is pretty perfect. Goslin! Great. I leave for five minutes, and Goslin's rewired the whole house! Yep. Just blacked out the whole city again. <laughs> again. Nagel Goslin comes flouncing into screen. And she's so cute. She's adorable. Her little blowny curls and fluffy pink dress and dirty in the kitchen just like you asked her, just like you wanted. She's just so, I don't know. She's adorable. Do you think she is exactly as she's presented or do you think she is, as some fans think, secretly a budding psychopath underneath it all? I would like to think that she's super sweet. Me too. I think it's more fun that way. She's a movable object versus like the unstoppable force. Like Negaduck's evil doesn't seem to affect her at all. She's just like, well, I'm just, I'm going to love you. My theory is that's her spirit. Because Goslin is a spirited character. That was the whole thing mm. in the pilot, not the pilot, but the first episode, <laughs> Darkly Dawns, they talk about her being such a spirited character, and that comes out in the form of her being spunky and street smart and up to no good, but at the heart of it is a very good person. I think Nega mm. Goslin, she's very sugary, sweet, and feminine, but to me, her spirit is that she just, all of this living in a disgusting broken down house with a probably neglectful guardian because apparently she dirties the house for him just like he wanted not not the greatest 
home life for a child, and yet she just kind of rolls with it. So clearly Mm -hmm. she, I think that's just, she's more strong than she looks. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We get our appearance from Nega Launchpad as he just kicks in the back door with a bag of loot, pops on the ground, and it has Zummy Gummy in it. I hate him. There we go. I hate him so much. Not something bad. Not <laughs> not the gummy bear, launch mega launch pad. I hate him so much. I absolutely okay. cannot stand the sight of him. He viscerally upsets me. It's something to do with his character design, the combination of the chin stubble and the rat tail, and just mm. everything about him. I cannot stand him. He definitely is rocking that like token scumbag '90s guy look with the rat tail and the, the stubble. So, yeah, why don't you tell us how you're really feeling? <laughs> <laughs> so, I should cancel all those commissions I got of Nega Launchpad for you. That's what you're saying. Uh, is that going to be my wrapping paper this year that you send me in the mail? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I send Ange something, I wrap it in something she truly hates. So that way it's like a divine mixture of joy and despair. The true, the true power of friendship right there. That's, that's it right there. You're welcome, by the way. And then on the topic of Angie's favorite character, like because Darkwing is like, what's going on? Like He's starting to suspect that some, not all is as it should be. Like a launch pad just leans in and says, Is there something wrong? You don't look like our usual Mr. Grumpy Puss. Did you notice that he has, like, what looks like a Star Trek emblem on his shirt? I did not, no. He's got this weird, I don't know what it is or what purpose it serves, but on his, I want to say his left side, there's, like, this weird little triangle-shaped pin. And I was like, why, why does it look like the little emblem that the Star Trek people wear? I don't know. Let me look it up. I also enjoy that we live in a world where I can just Google Lego Launchpad and he shows up. That wasn't always the case, you youngins. Oh, yeah, look at that. My living it looks nightmare. Like a, like a, kind of looks like a guitar pick. There's a lot of sexy pictures of Nega Launchpad that showed up in the search. They're coming. Don't worry, don't worry, I'll send them to you. And then, even though the power was out, the TV flicks on, and the news announcer starts with mighty Negaduck, and I just lost it from there. So it's just basically <laughs> Negaduck, he's the monarch of this synchronard, basically. Everybody knows him, and his word is law, which I think is hysterical and also terrible at the same time and the news anchor only gets so far of basically saying that darkwing duck is there and he should be you know brought in but negaduck interrupts and starts cooking up all these new violent deaths for darkwing which instantly turns into darkwing duck should be shot on sight burn him to fiery ash mighty negaduck demands that darkwing duck be arrested on sight Duck should be shot on sight. Or, or skinned. Yeah, skin him alive. What's Negaduck doing on TV? Even better, burn him to fiery ash. And then arrest him. Disney cartoons of the 90s, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and then Nega Launchpad just produces a missile launcher out of nowhere because he realizes that he has been talking to Darkwing Duck and not Negaduck. Well, let's back it up a little. Negaduck holds up a photo of Darkwing on a black and white television and is like, it's it's easy to figure out who Darkwing Duck is because he looks just like me and holds up a photo of Darkwing 
Except, like, it's black and white, so it's like, I don't know what difference that makes. And then. It really looks just like him. And that is when Nega Launchpad clues in that he is Darkwing Duck. Which really makes you think that Nega Launchpad is a lot more intelligent than regular Launchpad. I refuse to accept that. Oh, okay. Because I don't think that regular Launchpad would have picked up on that so quickly. I don't know. We'll have to debate on that. Well, maybe we'll make that our new poll. Do you think that Launchpad would be able to tell Negaduck from a black and white picture? I'll figure out a phrasing. Don't worry. We'll, we'll figure it out. But Darkwing, of course, is not about to be missile launched by Missile Launchpad and grabs Negagoslin and runs to the Muddlefoots with her and just football chucks her through <laughs> a window. And she's quite happy about all of this. She really is. So there, I guess she does. She is sort of dissatisfied with her life if she wants to be saved by Darkwing Duck. So yeah, he he chucks her through the window and jumps in after her, and then we get our glimpse of Negatank, and he is not the brute that regular Tank is. He is more the Honker brother, and gives a very, very thorough and very prepared presentation about. The differences between a St. Canard that he's never been in and the Negaverse. And he's got these scrolls that he just jumps up and pulls down from the ceiling of their living room. He's got Darkwing's St. Canard, and then he has the Negaverse. And also, if he's from the Negaverse, wouldn't he just be like, you know, my world? He calls it the Negaverse, but uh, I don't know. But to top it all off, he also has a ceiling wall scroll of Negaduck as well so because I'm sure none of us remember who Negaduck was that we needed that visual representation of him I like to think that because Negaduck rules St. Canard as a law he required a photo (laughs) of himself in every house in the city so they can all pull it down and like praise him (laughs) like North Korea oh boy Uh, I could see that too so then we get to hear Tankard H. Muddlefoot so let's so I have my theories. I'm pretty sure you're going to jump on on board here. But what does the H stand for? Herb. Yeah, I thought so too. So there it is. Because isn't Honker's, Honker's full name might be Herb Jr., right? Yeah, I think it's Herbert Muddlefoot, yeah. Herbert Honker Muddlefoot. So then we get our first glimpse of the Nega Muddlefoots, or the Nuddlefoots, as friend of the podcast Nem calls them. And they're decked out in chains and leather, but sound exactly the same, which is pretty hysterical. But also, it's also Honker's birthday here. So are they doing a biker-themed birthday party? Probably not, but also, what if? I like that the implication here from Disney is that in order to show characters as evil, they need to be wearing leather, spikes, and chains. (laughs) Herb just looks like a leather daddy. He just looks like leather daddy Muddlefoot. He does. That's all I can see every time. <laughs> he does. Just the way that they react to Darkwing and, th- you know, thinking that he's a Negaduck. It seems, and then they do run with Negaduck later. It seems like he has a much better relationship with the Nuddlefoots than Drake has with the Muddlefoots. But Negaherb so, also apparently has no boundaries because the first thing he does is he pulls Darkwing into a chokehold hug. Mm. So apparently Negaduck has to put up with this as well. 
does. But also, they seem like they're his minions. Mm-hmm. So, how much putting up with it does he actually do? Because we did see him tie Bushroot into knots before. Yeah, but he goes, Lord Negaduck, what an honor. We didn't expect you to show up. Oh, Negaduck, I love your new outfit. Purple is so gloomy. He's very, very excited about it. And I think he is enamored by his color change. Uh, purple is very gloomy or something to that extent. Yes. And But, of course, they go out to what was, dear listeners, a Pelican Island theme party in our verse, in the show verse. I don't think it's our verse, actually, because I don't remember seeing any anthropomorphic ducks around. But it's just basically, Lord, I don't know, like a heavy metal album cover gone Donald. Donald? Donald Duck, yeah. There are some shrunken heads, and the shrunken heads look human. See, the Negaverse did what the normal verse was too scared to do and killed all the human characters. (laughs) Thank you, Negaverse. Thank you for your service. And this instant that Nega Honkar sees Darkwing, he knows that he's Darkwing. And they decide to grill him alive, where, you know, Nega Honker is enthusiastically screaming, Darkwing Burgers, Darkwing Burgers. He's going to be getting his birthday wish of getting his favorite food, which is a uh, man. <laughs> Soylent Coconut Burger. So then Darkwing is thrown on the grill. Like, Dark, he does a little bit of fighting in this episode, but basically he just seems to be getting hauled around and not being very heroic about much things. So he just gets strapped to the grill, and as he's being cooked alive, gets electrocuted. And, of course, we know that this means that Megavolt is here, but it fades to black from there. And knowing the episode, as we know the episode, we know it's a friendly four. So that just begs to ask, Nega Megavolt's answer to saving Darkwing, who is being burned alive on a grill, is to electrocute him. Apparently it worked, too. Apparently it did. I wonder what happened, because everybody seems to be okay at it. But anyway, so Darkwing wakes up and immediately freaks out because he's surrounded by his, his greatest foes. And there's a fantastic bit with Megavolt, and he says, What's going on? Where am I? You guys are gonna be sorry you messed with the Mighty Mallard! Okay, okay, we're sorry we messed with the Mighty Mallard. Just put the gun down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most would rather surrender than fight Darkwing Duck. Get him! And I need Megavolt saying, put the gun down as my notification alert for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. So, and of course, we know that they are the Negaverse version of the villains. So they're actually pretty nice. They don't work with Negaduck. They hate him. And they get to do their little hero pose, which is, we are the friendly four. And it's, it's really cute. Like, they kind of all do like a little ta-da thing and they're precious. And then Darkwing is convinced that he's having a psychotic break. So he goes over to a wall and starts bashing his head into it. And I think that that is a gift that I see a lot. I made that gift. I thought you did. I was waiting for you to take credit for it. And I see that one quite often. It's a good one. But I think my favorite part of that scene is as he's doing that, we cut over to the friendly four, and they all just look so concerned. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, oh, dear. Oh, okay. 
And then what follows that once he just realizes that it's not a dream and then he can't wake himself up from it, there's a really weird bit of animation. Yes. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Because he, like, twists around, but, like, that's a corkscrew, gets really close to the screen and tells us something, and then starts walking in place for a second before, like, storming his way out of the scene. I'm like, what? I don't know if that was what intentional happened? or not. I feel like that was just one animator who worked on that one scene and was like, we're going to get real Looney Tunes with this right now. Because it it's just this scene, because I feel like Negaduck does that, too, in this scene. When, spoilers, he shows up. Because he gets, like, real close to the screen, and I think, like, he points his finger or something. And it's just, it do, it's so out of sync with the rest of the animation in the episode that it's just kind of like, what just happened there? So Darkwing is storming his way out of this, you know, warehouse or wherever they are, and he's just pushing them away as they're like, we really need your help. Oh, can you help? And he's just like, nope, 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 until he gets the little goslin. And he's like, oh. Yes. So it just begs to say that like, Darkwing in himself is not a good hero. He's not, like, if you went somewhere and they're like, you're our only hope. You're the only person that can help us. And he's like, mm, no, sorry. Okay. But, you know, then he's reminded that Goslin exists. And also finds out there that Negaduck is her guardian. The way they say it, just, too. Oh, my goodness. Look, thanks, but no thanks. I've got to return to my own universe, my own city, my own life, my own Goslin. She's probably worried about you. You shouldn't keep her waiting. Um, whose kid is this? Goslin's guardian is Negaduck. No. In the Negaverse, there's never been a Darkwing Duck to guard the city. Or a Drake Mallard to be a father. For you, Goslin, I'll stay. Because the implication there is not a very nice one. Like, I don't think, given that this is a Disney show and Negaduck's personality, I actually cannot see him being legitimately abusive. But I could see mm -hmm. him being neglectful. In the sense Absolutely. that, like, he just kind of ignores her and has her do the housework and stuff. But I don't think he would go out of his way to harm her. She's just kind of there. Yeah. And I mean, absolutely neglectful because he's in the showverse so much. So he just is not even in his own universe for <laughs> so much of what's happening. So she's at least alone during those times. But yeah, I don't, I feel like there's something, like, I know there's lots of, lots of fan takes on what it is. I agree with you. I don't like to imagine him being super abusive, more neglectful, because she you'll, still does stuff for him. And you'll notice that in this entire episode, Goslin and Negaduck never interact. The mm -hmm. only time you see them on screen together is in the following scene when they're trapped in the glass and Negadek goes over and he taps the glass. And that's it. That is the only time that they are on the same screen together in one scene. And then other mm -hmm. than that, they never interact. And I don't know if that was intentional on the part of Disney. Like, how can we tell this story without it getting super dark? Because Negadek is really mm -hmm. mean. Or maybe they just, you know, probably more Didn't realistically. Yeah, more realistically, they probably didn't have the time to tell that because that's storytelling time that gets eaten up in the 22 minutes that they have for this story. Mm -hmm. And it probably 
technically isn't really all that relevant to what they're trying to tell in the story. So it, it's kind of left open-ended, but I think about that a lot. Yeah. No, me too. And I feel like that's part of, I think it's kind of a gift in a way because it's, it's as I said, it, this whole, this episode has spawned so much fan content just in the way that they frame the characters that we know already and how different they are. And we can get into your talking point later about how it's not, you know, a complete opposite of what we know, but it's definitely, it's interesting and it makes you think, and it, it definitely, you know, makes you think about what the relationship is. Like, how does Negaduck interact with her specifically? Because we don't really get to see that. But yeah, so once Darkwing decides to stay to help them, there's a little bit of a training montage because, of course, there is wherein Quacker Jack makes a really nasty-looking clown doll, as redundant as that sounds. Spoiler alert, I do not like clowns. So they seem like the same people, but their morals have changed because the Liquidator is the Liquidator, and Quacker Jack is still making crazy killer toys, but he just uses them for, for evil. Character and... designs are exactly the same, too. Mm -hmm. All the other characters in the show got different costumes, except them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. So they, of course, they finished their training montage, and everybody is super excited about it. And the big advantage they had is that Negaduck doesn't know that we've teamed up, and immediately, immediately Negaduck kicks down the door. <laughs> Pretty perfect. Negaduck kicks down the door with his Nega gang, which is the the Nega Muddlefoots and Nega Launchpad, all with rocket launchers this time. Greetings, kids. <gasps> it's Negaduck! So much for a big advantage. Take them to the tower. And there's a convenient lightning flash as he says this. And apparently they do not put up any fight because the next thing we see, they are in the tower. Let's talk about the fact that the tower, I assume, is Darkwing Tower. However, mm -hmm. Negaduck looks out the window and it does a quick landscape shot of the Negaverse. And you can see like the tallest skyscrapers in the background. But geographically, the Audubon Bay Bridge is next to the skyscrapers. If you look at like any of the layouts in the backgrounds. So where they are geographically doesn't make sense. Oh, well, maybe it's a different tower then. Maybe it's a different, maybe it's a Negaduck exclusive. I was wondering that because you actually see the tower at one point in the distance in the backgrounds and it's all limp and wilted. Because mm. presumably that's where Darkwing comes from at the beginning of this episode where he first gets to the Negaverse and goes to the goes to Avian Way. So I don't know. There we go. Maybe it's not the Darkwing Tower. Maybe it's a completely different tower. Maybe it's just a tower used to house the Nega Hammer. A tower of smashy, skulls. Smashy. <laughs> yes. His tower of skulls. But the Nega Hammer probably gets a lot of use, I would say. And he had to call it the Nega Hammer. It couldn't just be a hammer. <laughs> Maybe that's why everybody knows that they're in the Negaverse. I'm just going to segue for a moment here real quick, very gracelessly, into... There was a Mega Man cartoon back in my childhood, like 80s, 90s, where Mega Man just said... He was the original Pokemon. He just used to go Mega Mega. <laughs> and that's what I just thought of. As maybe they're like Pokemon. They have to say Nega every once in a while or the Hunts will explode. And that's my, my little sidebar for right now. 
But the Nega Hammer. So the Nega Hammer is exactly as it sounds, giant hammer. And we got a bit of punning going on here where... The Negaverse is my own personal playground. And with a little help from my Nega Hammer, you're going to be my own personal pancake! <laughs> I am sick of hearing your gums flap, Jack! Just kill me and get it over with! All in due time. Get it? Pancakes. Pancakes. And of course, there's a pendulum involved uh, to cut a rope to make the Nega Hammer smash Darkwing. But this is the the part that Ange mentioned where everybody's in a glass tube waiting for Darkwing to die in a very Radigan evil Rube Goldberg machine of death. Nega is very, very confident in his alpha, as he usually is. And... I also have to wonder how much rope he uses in his day-to-day. -day. He ha it must be a lot to just have it on hand to keep rigging up a nega hammer and tying people to his little table. But as he's leaving, because he never watched to make sure that your evil plan, you know, goes to fruition, he goes, I'm off to create more unnecessary pain and suffering, and closes the door. And then he opens it up again and leans back and he goes, losers. <laughs> and then closes it. So long. I'm off to create more unnecessary pain and suffering. Losers. Because certain death isn't enough, he has to insult them again. Classic. <laughs> it's fantastic. It makes me laugh. The day is saved by the creepy clown doll because it turns into a weird spider thing with multiple axes. For legs. That, yeah, it says actually in the theme song, I think. Isn't it? They talk the, about the spider legs made of axes in the theme song? No, I think the clip. A uh -huh. clip of the clip of him strapped to the table and the clown doll climbing up. I don't ah, I, I would have to look back at that. I think it is. There's every once in a while I'll watch these episodes and I'm like, oh that's in the song. So so yes, he's he's freed by the clown and then the clown gets nega hammered, which is fine. It's fine by me. It's a fitting end for any clown. But then Darkwing is free! Hooray! The fearsome, or the, sorry, the friendly four decided to go all Captain Planet on the Negaverse and just clean it all up instantly. Which they could have like, done before, but apparently they needed Darkwing to tell them. I guess that was a heck of a training montage. <laughs> but yeah, like, even the smog is gone. The sky is blue. The sun is out. Beautiful. And the Nega crew is just hanging outside the bakery. And somehow Negaduck knows that Darkwing is behind all of it. And he vows to ruin Darkwing's St. Canard. Darkwing Duck has ruined my St. Canard. So I'll ruin his. Everyone, into the bakery. I was getting sick of this place anyway. Planning on, like, taking all of them with him, it seems like. And I just love that when it transitions over to that scene, it's just Negaduck making these weird, angry cat noises. <laughs> <laughs> it's true this is some beautiful vocal work from jim cummings in this episode but it's just so funny to me that it's just like i don't know i guess some time could have passed but in my head just thinking about it it's like darkwing and the, the friendly four escape and they instantly clean up everything and like negaduck doesn't go back to the tower to check that darkwing isn't dead it's just he instantly blames him for <laughs> cleaning up his town which i feel like probably would be 
beneficial to Negadev's mental health if somebody came and cleaned it up every once in a while because then he'd have a challenge in his own universe and not have to keep going to St. Canard in the normal verse. But, you know, he's just very angry. So he, he bids his followers into the bakery and we get the friendly four get to do their big Darkwing Duck I am the terror entrance in the brighter but still very gloopy and, and rotting bakery. We are the terrors that flop in the night! We are the soap that's cleaning up this town! We are Darkwing's Ducks! Team Gear! Friendly for Darkwing's Ducks, different name, same old losers! Which Liquidator is not a duck. Neptunia would have something to say about this. They look really cute in their Darkwing hats and capes, but Bushroot's my favorite because he doesn't have a top on his hat, yes. so it's just his hair sticking out the top. His little stamens have to breathe. It's adorable. I really liked it. I was like, aww. So they finish up their speech. Negaduck is very, very prepared for this, it seems. He's like, friendly four, Darkwing's duck, same old losers. Herb, grill him. <laughs> And then we get our second beautiful leap of the episode where Herb launches over Negaduck like an angel taking flight via ankle rockets to nunchuck spatulas at the friendly four. It was beautiful. <laughs> it really was. I paused it and he was in midair and it, I, I have since recovered. So he's, you know, nunchucking his grilling spatulas at them and he immediately gets his ass handed to him by the liquidator and Quacker Jack. We get to hear Quacker Jack's catchphrase of it's playtime. And then Herb Katamari Damas uses his way through the rest of the Nega gang. I don't remember seeing Negaduck getting out of the way, but the next thing that happens is Negaduck falls out of the sky onto Darkwing. <laughs> So he must have gotten away at some point. I, I was just too distracted, I guess, by Herb. We get another great line. This episode has so many great lines, but Nega Honker is over by the fallen pile of the dreams of the Nega Muddlefoots and Nega Launchpad. And Binky says to him, Now, Honker, dear, you run along and do some life-altering damage to those nice men who hurt Mummy. Beautiful. And then we get some oh. violence against children. We sure do. We sure do. Because Nega Honker is ready to fight. And he whips out a chain and just starts trying to kill these men. And Megavolt just calmly grabs the chain and electrocutes the ever-living god out of this child. And then continues to talk. Yes. As he's shooting Honker. <laughs> and then when he's done electrocuting Honker... Passes him off the bush route, who summons a giant daisy that just jettisons him into the sky. He's never heard from again. Mega Honker is dead. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, R.I.P. So, in the midst of all this, we have a very dynamic fight between Darkwing and Negaduck. I really like it. I love the noises that it just Jim Cummings makes, period, when he's making Darkwing fight, and it's even better when he's fighting Negaduck, because it's just Jim Cummings in a sound booth making weird noises at himself. And the animation of them fighting is just so clunky and awkward. It delights me. I love it. 
<laughs> I love the fight scenes at Darkwing Duck and just how ridiculous they are. Because Nick and Nick basically just picks him up and throws him, <laughs> picks him up and throws him on the ground. And then there's some kicking involved. And then Darkwing gets kicked Lion King style into the next room and, and takes out the friendly four. And we got a whole bunch of, in this next like rapid fire set of scenes, there's a lot of miscoloration in the animation department so when Darkwing lands on the friendly four when we see that aftermath of that dog pile up Darkwing is painted as Negaduck yep and Quacker Jack's whole head basically is orange Cheeto Jack strikes again oh my god it's terrible it's terrifying it's so scary it just makes me think that his whole head is his bill <laughs> and it's just like a weird hard tumorous face it just <laughs> ooh, it's gonna haunt me it's gonna haunt me i don't like it when negaduck says same old losers to the friendly four megavolt says come on we'll show him we're not losers and that was a reference to mm. earlier in the episode when megavolt of the regular verse was like we'll show him we're not knobs yep so you said megavolt megavolt has that bit of a spine i suppose Good catch, good catch. I didn't pick that up. And then, God, you know, it's time to go. Negadug jumps into the cake. Darkwing has to say goodbye. The cake to the Negaverse is green, but on the way back to Darkwing's universe, it's glowing red. I did not notice that. I don't know if that really matters or if that means anything. I just thought that was an interesting observation. It's interesting. And these bakeries don't seem to make single-layered cakes for anything. Always the giant multi-tiered bridal looking cakes so then Darkwing has to say his tearful goodbyes to little Goslin and the friendly four are now her new dads which I don't really know how that will pan out but I'm sure it'll be fine better than where she was and so then Darkwing hops into the cake as well and then we're in the vortex we're in this portal that's just strange and swirly and there's some really weird things in here I didn't go into super depth to uh write them all down but there was one bit of it that i was like that's really weird there's just like this bedroom eyed carousel horse looking thing and a toilet seat like, <laughs> it's just like uh sir are you okay he's purely just there for negaduck or Dar i forget which one gets the whip but there's a whip in his saddlebag and it's just he's really weird but yeah, so they're in there, but the good thing about it is that there's a very obviously marked exit <laughs> to where they're supposed to be going. It's just a glowing doorway with a thousand arrows pointing towards it. You know, and of course they're fighting in this portal, and I think Negative has the whip and whips Darkwing, and then Darkwing grabs it, and then he's got the whip, and of course... There's a plug. That's the universal plug. And Negaduck says, Look out! It's the universal plug! If you pull it, we'll be sucked into oblivion! The universal what? <laughs> and Darkwing, of course, pulls it. Because <laughs> he's Darkwing. He doesn't intentionally do it. But it just it reminded me of... The Secret Origins of Darkwing Duck, where it turns out that, you know, Drake L, or whatever his name was, he's the reason why the planet exploded because he accidentally sat on the detonator. It's just the dynamic they have across all the <laughs> multiverses. Yeah, so then Pop goes the universal plug, and the everything in this portal is getting sucked into it, and that includes Negaduck. 
Darkwing uses plug and the whip to get out. And as he's coming out of the cake, he's miscolored again so that he's painted as Negaduck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very confusing. Like, I imagine as a child, you'd probably be very confused. But yeah, he's Negaduck as he's coming out of the cake. But then it's just really Darkwing and the cake implodes on itself. That's it. And Darkwing gets another cake for the party. And he goes back to the regular Muddlefoots, their Pelican Island theme party. And he says, I love the Muddlefoots. And that's the end of our episode. And that's the perfect ending for every episode of Darkwing Duck, which should just be reaffirming that the Muddlefoots are great. Yeah, so that's that's it. I mean, like, Negaduck is sucked into oblivion. Well, you'll notice that the door goes down there with him. So my mm. theory... You see him get sucked in, and then the door goes in with him. So perhaps once he ends up in oblivion, he can leave, but because the the exit clearly closed after Darkwing got out of the cake, so maybe it took Negaduck elsewhere, and then he just figured mm-hmm. his way back to St. Canard. Yeah, because, I mean, the episode order, it doesn't make any sense, and he definitely is in more episodes after this. Maybe he rides that weird carousel horse thing. <laughs> through the exit every time but yeah and this is just the the bakery nega portal which you know there could be one anywhere there could be one under your bed dear listener be very careful did you notice that the cake was on wheels i did it was on like a little trolley thing. yeah the portal cake had a little trolley with wheels i don't know why does he wheel it around is the portal in the cake or is it in the ground beneath and did he roll the cake over top the portal to hide portal is it even real cake like, I have to wonder. Like, because he can roll it around. So can he move the portal? Or is it the cake just covering over top the portal? Mm. Things to consider. I don't know. I, it is very... I, my God, a portable portable portal. Possibilities of a portable portal. Now you're thinking with portals. It is also a portal to the Negaverse. So be careful, guys. So yeah, so that was life, the Negaverse, and everything. It was a good one. How would you rate it on the <laughs> quacker? Where? Scale. I'm going to give it, hmm, I'm going to give it 20 coconut burgers out of 20 coconut burgers. Mm-hmm. Delicious and nutritious. I am going to give it a very modest 5,000 out of 5, and I'm renaming the episode Darkwing Duck Enter the Muddleverse. <laughs> and that can be the title of this episode. Hey! <laughs> but you wanted to talk about your opinions on the Negaverse not being polar opposite of the showverse. So Absolutely. Let's... So let me let me set this up for you. In the episode when they run into Negatank and he's pulling down those scroll, wall scroll, ceiling scroll things, explaining the Negaverse to Darkwing, Negatank does refer to it as an opposite universe. But this is incorrect for so many reasons. And I need to set up the scene for this to explain why this annoys me so much. Do you remember Cracked Magazine? Cracked, no. Kind of like Mad Magazine, but called Cracked. Okay. So there was an online site for a while called Cracked Magazine, and they would do a lot of articles that were like the top 10, this and that. And they did one article called something along the lines of the top 10 darkest things you didn't know happened in a cartoon or whatever. And among the list, the author brings up the Negaverse and talks about how the Negaverse is a mirror universe and that 
because everything is mirrored, in order for Darkwing to do anything, Negaduck has to do the same thing at the same time. So, for example, the author brings up the example that if Morgana and Darkwing wanted to reproduce and have a child, in order for that to be possible, Negaduck and his version of Morgana would have to be reproducing at the exact same time for it to work. And that's not how it works. No. In more ways than one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, no. Because for starters, if it was a mirror universe, exactly. That means that the second Negaduck goes into Darkwing's universe, Darkwing would have to travel over to the Negaverse at the exact same time because they're mirrored. They could not coexist in the exact same universe. Yeah, he's not like Shadow Link from The Legend of Zelda. (laughs) Clearly, yeah, independent and has his own thoughts and, and desires. A very odd take. And additional to that, when you think about the opposite of Darkwing, Darkwing Duck is an egotistical, short-tempered, you know, self-centered, loud, dramatic, loves to be the center of attention character. The opposite of that would be a character with very low self-esteem, who doesn't like being in the spotlight, who is probably a little afraid, timid, quiet, non-argumentative. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like Negaduck? You know, to the T. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, no, he is not at all the polar opposite of Darkwing. I subscribe to the theory that it is simply a parallel dimension, one of many, and the difference is simply that certain core traits or traits of the characters are swapped. In the case of Negaduck, he shares all of Darkwing's traits. It's just that he's basically, like, as I remember Frank Angoni's talked about this, uh, he's the writer, executive producer of the DuckTales reboot, and he said the only difference that he felt between Negaduck and Darkwing is that Negaduck doesn't have any family to keep him in check. And while technically Negaduck has a Nega Launchpad and a Nega Goslin, they're not really set up in a family unit. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of makes sense that Negaduck is a Darkwing out of control, but he's also evil and he's also clearly some form of like psychopath because he gets joy out of hurting people. But otherwise, he and Darkwing are very similar. I think that he's probably, he's more competent than Darkwing too because his plots always seem to go off. Like he does get thwarted, but at some point he was successful enough in the Negaverse where they just let him on the local news and call him Lord Negaduck and like everybody has to do what he says. So maybe it's more of a glimpse of what a competent Darkwing would become. Scary thought. Mm. So on the whole, same with Goslin. Like people think if you look at the Goslins, they both are good. Their morality is overall good. Nega Goslin is a nice character regular Goslin is also a good character. Her morals can be a bit twisted in the sense that, you know, she ends up putting an alligator in the bathroom at school or she doesn't do her homework. She's not a great student, but she is at her core a good person. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like a universe where everyone is evil. I think it's just because Negadek runs the universe and he found the worst people possible to help him run it. You just see more bad people than you do good people. It seems like the most core component of the person is swapped. Like, Goslin is very tomboyish and a prankster, and Nega Goslin is just very much, you know, sugar and spice and super happy and obedient. And, you know, because the Friendly Four are basically, again, like, they're basically the same 
people, but they have that flip-flopped moral compass. It's definitely interesting, and I don't think it's as black and white as a lot of folks and fans seem to make it. I've certainly been guilty of that myself in the past. It's more of an interesting addition to the show than just making it the bizarre universe where everybody is super evil. That was super good on the other side. Yeah, and it's very fun to think about the whole concept and how Negaduck's life would have played out to get him to where he is compared to Darkwing. And additional to that, Darkwing even acknowledges in the episode that there's no Drake Mallard to care for Goslin. So there's kind of like this weird acknowledgement that Negaduck probably doesn't have his own civilian identity. He's just Negaduck 100% of the time. And they do run with that in the comics that came out in 2009, the Boom Studios comics, and then later the Joe comics run. So there's a lot of untapped story there and I think that's why so many fans focus on that and you get so many stories and comics and just about everything surrounding that and even I'm plotting right now a very large comic series featuring the Negaverse and Negaduck's rise in the Negaverse but I say a lot of things that I plan on doing and then I never do them (laughs) cough OC month cough (laughs) (laughs) they're plans I mean they don't do themselves i wish they did just rude but i've been working on a script and i've been plotting out an entire backstory that tells the perspective of negaduck and the rise of the negaverse and various characters like scrooge and gizmo duck and whatnot like yeah like i had this whole thing in my head and maybe someday i'll get around to doing it maybe that's awesome I'll poke you every once in a while to remind you to do it because I would love to see it. I just assume that this is going to be the adventures of Negaduck, the space pirate. (laughs) (laughs) We have the Twitter page at CanardPod where I sometimes make fake Zillow listings for giant garlic cloves. And Ange has her Facebook page, which I cannot see because I am not on Facebook, but I am sure it is beautiful and full of polls. We've got, like, nine whole people. It's great. Ah, diggity dog. Dog, hot, dog, hot, diggity dog. And we have our email address, which is sleepless.stcanard. Correct. Gmail.com. Yes. Yes. So it's always S-T. I don't think we ever spell out saint. So, yeah, send us a line. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Give us nothing. It's fine. You guys, the world is on fire. And we're just here to talk about ducks and hopefully distract you for a little bit. So we appreciate you listening. We appreciate everybody who worked on the show and made the show. And uh, I, for one, personally appreciate any Herb Muddlefoot content. Well said. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm a woman of simple pleasures. So on that note... We will bid you adieu. Aren't we going to spin the Uh, wheel? Oh, we are. My God, I'm trying to get rid of everybody. We got work to do. All right, so we'll spin this wheel. Boom. Spinning, spinning, spinning. It's almost like, I feel like we've watched so many of the bad episodes that we have really good odds to watch a good one. Getting antsy is still there. I know, getting antsy is still there, but it's bad tidings. Which I think. Oh, that's the one. Yours. That was the one. Yeah, that we were like, what is this episode? I forgot this episode (laughs) existed. 
Yes. Okay. So we will watch this together and we will try to remember never seeing this episode. <laughs> so bad tidings will be our outing next time. Maybe. We might get in a oh. fan email episode. Oh, right. Probably yeah. a shorter so have... episode where we answer some of the fan stuff that we've gotten. Cool. Hey. Yeah, because you know what, guys? We do we do appreciate it. We do read it. We enjoy it. And we want you to know that. So at some point, the next show episode we will be watching is Bad Tidings. But for now, we will say goodnight. And crime never sleeps. And neither do we. Bye, everybody. See you next crime.